Hey there, welcome back to the Rock Your Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Emily Perry, and on today's show, I've got Amita Stark. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode. Amita Stark, MA, is a priestess of the Rose lineage, astrologer, art historian, and tantrika. She's a published scholar with a master's degree specializing in European, medieval, and Renaissance decorative arts and culture. From Parsons School of Design, the Copper Hewitt National Design Museum, and the Smithsonian Institution in New York City. Amita worked for years as an art museum curator, you know, conceiving and mounting exhibitions as an assistant curator, and um, then she moved into an ashram in 2008. And she's trained in classical tantra and bhakti yoga in the lineage of master yogi Baba Hari Das. She was the first woman priestess at the Sankat Mochan Hanuman Temple in the Santa Cruz Mountains in 2011. And she's been training teachers in Tantra and Bhakti Yoga methods for over a decade. As an astrologer, Amita Sophia has been actively co-creating with astrological cycles for 20 years. And in 2019, she made her vows in the Holy Isle of Avalon as a priestess of the Rose Lineage at the Avalon Rose Chapel in Glastonbury, England. Her passion is awakening and empowering women to their gifts on the transformational path of the priestess through goddess archetypes, star wisdom, myth, ritual, magic, and leading sacred site pilgrimages all over the world. Amita is such a gem and such a special person in my life, and I'm just so excited to share this conversation with her, with you. Let's dive in. to the Rock Your Purpose podcast, home of the Live Awake Collective. This is a place to find inspiration and life-changing tools to awaken your authentic self and activate your purpose. I'm your host, Emily Perry, an inspirational speaker and international teacher, and I'm here to take you behind the scenes in creating your own purpose revolution. So get ready to rock your purpose, lead your community, and manifest your vision for your life. Welcome to the journey. Let's dive in. Before we dive into it, it's 2021. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of messages from you that you're looking for support in taking your soul business to the next level. And so I'm here. If you go to emilyperry.com coaching, you'll see some options for you to get the support that you need to accelerate your soul business to attract those soul clients and really serve your community in a way that you feel called to serve in 2021. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Well, welcome, Amita, to the Rock Your Purpose podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Emily. It's great to be with you. So as I mentioned in the intro, um, Amita and I have known each other for years, and we've worked together, and um, I'm just really excited to have her here on the show and share her journey and what how she supports people on the planet right now, and obviously this this podcast is about purpose and, um, you know, getting aligned with our authentic truth. And I wanted to just ask you, um, on your journey to where you are right now in the last like few years, what do you, was there like a pivotal moment that really kind of shifted things for you? Yeah, to be honest with you, it was really the first asana class I ever took. Mm. And, and that was, Actually, it's been some years now. That's 
you know, about 15 years ago now. But it was a pivotal moment that started a journey that made everything change in my life. And it was a coming home to myself, a teacher called Timo Jimenez. And, and that really catapulted something within me. The Austin journey um, over the next couple of years then, I read a lot of books like Be Here Now by Ram Dass, um, The Quest for the True Self by Stephen Cope. I really went deep into um, really people that had left a mainstream, if you will, three-dimensional career and decided to go deeper into their spiritual practice, either by moving to an ashram like Stephen Cope did, um, or other kinds of, of very deep journeys that were away from their more mainstream life. And so that was really what catapulted me onto a journey of knowing myself deeply through um, spiritual practice. Yeah, because you left a really, like, I mean, a career that many, 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 many people <laughs> would have loved to um, you know, step into themselves. And you are an art historian. And I love how we have these moments where everything changes inside of us and it leads us onto this other path. And so what was that, what was making that choice like for you? I mean, was it, it was, <laughs> no, it wasn't an easy choice, although it was one that I couldn't ignore. Mm. And I was working as an art historian. Um, I was trained as um, a museum curator, as well as someone who was specializing in it. Italian Renaissance, decorative arts and sculpture. I did have a quote unquote dream job. I was assistant curator of Princeton drawings at the Portland Art Museum and was mounting exhibitions, conceiving exhibitions. Um, you know, it was really rewarding intellectually. It was really nourishing on an intellectual level to be able to share um, ideas and through through artistic, um, others' artistic prowess. Mm. Um, however, for myself, there was always this deeper calling, even though I had the skill set and I enjoyed it and I was good at it, there was something inside me that always felt like, felt like it wasn't what I should be doing, that there was an inner truth that needed to be explored and, it, and I could no longer live a quote, you know, double life, <laughs> meaning doing the nine to five job and then, you know, always searching for the next yoga retreat, the next um, pilgrimage somewhere that would take me out of my nine to five job, which really wasn't really nine to five. You know, it was much, much more than that. It was more like, you know, 45 to 50 hours a week. It was very demanding and deadline driven. Mm. And um, and that's why I went to go onto the mat on the first place was to relieve stress. But then it opened up these codes of something deeper. And so, yeah, it wasn't an easy choice, but I do have, I tend to have kind of an all or nothing personality. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went all in and wound up moving to an ashram in the Santa Cruz mountains called Mount Madonna Center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause now you're known as like this amazing magnetic priestess <laughs> and, you know, astrologer and you lead like retreats and programs and, um, it's just, I, find, I always find it so interesting, those pivotal moments where everything changes within us and we start to take steps on that next path. And so how did you learn to sort of trust? I mean, did you, did you really trust into that decision right away or did it take you time to really know that you made the right choice? Like, what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. It was a deep 
inner directive that, as I said, I felt like I couldn't ignore. Mm -hmm. And even though I knew that I would be giving up a lot by resigning from my job, because of that inner frequency that was happening of needing to transform and change, the outer world was becoming becoming untenable, meaning I just couldn't, it was like, <laughs> in short, it was like hell going to work. Uh, and I didn't yeah. want to be there. And so that really catapulted me into, I have to make this decision, even though it's a dramatic one, you know, to leave a quote unquote corner office job, you know, has the status and prestige of, you know, sort of three-dimensional society, right? And then to leave, like literally leave at all, sell everything mm. and, and move to an ashram where I literally, you know, dissolved. Just meaning that I, I didn't know why I was there. I just knew that I needed to be where I was, which was hard because um, living in an ashram at Mount Madonna founded by the students of Master Yogi Baba Hari Das, one of Ram Das's teachers in India. He came to the United States in 1971. That is Baba Hari Das did. Um, you know, it's like I went from mounting exhibitions and giving radio interviews and so on to peeling carrots and, you know, doing flower arranging. So it was quite a shift and change mm. for sure. But I knew that I needed to make the journey. And, you know, my people know me as Amita. Mm -hmm. And that's a name that Babaji gave me, Baba Hari Das. Um, Marnie is my given name by my parents. And so even my name changed. And my whole my whole identity really shifted and changed when I when I left and moved mm -hmm. to the ashram in two thousand eight. Pluto in the first house. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So from then, I mean, so so you moved to the ashram and then um, really started. I mean, walking this whole new pathway, this like sacred path. And what has kind of I know you have some amazing um, work that you've been doing lately with with people on, on this kind of spiritual journey, the spiritual journey work that you do with people. And so what has kind of come together for you over the years in terms of, you know, from from yoga, you have just like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's really seems like you've, um, I want to say like, exploded but that's the word I want to use just like you're just like this radiant like I, I wish I could describe to you guys you'll meet her and you'll know um yeah. but just this like light this light of um spiritual like, insight and um you do a lot of journey work with people and can you just talk a little bit about like what has kind of come together for you like by following your heart right by following your vision by following that that inner voice what has really kind of come together for you over the years is really trusting all of the journey meaning those pieces of myself that I left behind to move to the ashram I let go of to be there Mm -hmm. But then after I left Mount Madonna in uh, 2013, it was really a journey of pulling all of those pieces back together again and finding a new way to transmute it into a way that was really authentic to who I really am. In short, it was about trusting all of myself and how to bring it all into one integrated whole that can serve the collective. You know, I really believe that we're here to find our truth and then serve others with that truth to support everybody else's journey. And that can just be radiating your who you really are 
you know, that, that in and of itself is huge and it can shift other people into mm-hmm. feeling safe to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that happened to me at Mount Madonna was, um, you know, I did become a priestess and the Vedic tradition is called a Pujarini. Um, at Mount Madonna Center, there's a temple called the Sankat Mochan Hanuman Temple, which is about, um, it's, it's, it's the form of Hanuman, the monkey deity that removes all suffering. And so I served there for many years and I was the first woman, I was just at the right place, the right time with the right karma, I guess, you know, the right samskara would be the more appropriate word, the right imprint from past lives Mm -hmm. to take that up. And that was really difficult, you know, to be a woman in a temple space that is patriarchal. I mean, that's just the truth because it was all men and coming from a male lineage. And so, um, you know, really trusting then my wisdom around the sacred feminine, because that was something that was actually repressed while I was there, kind of ironically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And so now you've really um, become this uh, embodiment of the divine feminine <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and so I know now a lot of your work is about embody, you know, embodying the energy of the divine feminine. And can you tell us a little bit about like what that's like or what that looks like in terms of, of what you're sharing with people now? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first left the ashram, it looked like chanting and sharing um, information that had to do with the practice of bhakti, of devotion and of tantra. And so really working with the deities, the sacred feminine, all premierian forms within um, the tradition of bhakti yoga and tantra yoga. Mm-hmm. And, and that was through mudras, mantra, um, asana practices, as well as um, of ritual. And I've really evolved since I left the ashram. And now I've really come back to something I was really interested in when I first started um, my journey in my early 20s into the goddess tradition, the sacred feminine. My middle name is Persephone. And so I've always been, who's a Greek goddess of the underworld. And so I've always been interested in the sacred feminine journey. Yeah. And because of that, and but I could never find the right outlet for it. It never came quite together. And when I moved to the ashram, um, that started to come through more and more. And so now, um, I, I utilize the same practices that I learned as a student of Baba Hari Das, that is mantra, that is mudra, that is um, meditation, pranayama, i.e. breath work, and those kinds of methods. But I do it in a way that really um, combines more of my interest in myth and astrology from other traditions, which was actually something I was working on when I was an art historian as well. Um, my master's thesis was on the astro or rather the the magical medicinal properties of stones and the iconography of these objects from 16th, 17th century Europe. And so it's kind of, it's a lot, but it, yeah. it all somehow has come together for me now. And so part of the way that I share that with people now is I take people on sacred pilgrimages to places that reflect the sacred feminine, like Avalon, which is Glastonbury, England. I take people to the island of Malta, which is a place that is very um, high frequency around the sacred feminine. Only feminine figurines have been found there wow. on that island of Malta. 
And so I take people on sacred journeys. That's part of it. And then we utilize the practices that I just described of mantra and muda and breath work and so on to tap deeper in. But I've really come to really work with Venus, the planet Venus, the frequency of Venus. Um, in the Hindu tradition, it's Lakshmi. And Lakshmi was one of the first deities that came to me um, mm -hmm. when I started on the path of yoga. So Venus has become really big for me personally, just sharing around that um, and, and what that means. Because Venus's journey is very similar, actually, to Persephone's journey, the Greek mm -hmm. goddess of the underworld. They really come from the same lineage and template. Um, mm -hmm. The planet Venus, as embodied by the Sumerian goddess Inanna, who is another um, underworld, upper world, queen of heaven goddess. Oh, so do, do you guys do that journey of um, the... So there's a lot astrologically that happens with Venus that you know has this representation or this echo of yeah the journey into the underworld and re the return right and um, oh that's so beautiful so can you tell me a little bit more about um, about what that looks like in terms of um, what you're offering I know because right now you're offering um, coming up you have a journey um, that you're taking <clears throat> excuse me taking people on. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a multidimensional journey working with the techniques I described in Bhakti mm -hmm. and Tantra Yoga, um, that is Mantra Mudra and so on. But it's following literally the path of Venus through the myth of Inanna, but also literally the path of Venus. And what I mean by that is that um, Venus makes... Venus's orbit, just real brief, mm -hmm. she of course moves from morning star to invisible to evening star. And that is her journey of really loss and seeking and finding, just like the moon. The moon, right, it becomes full and it loses its light and it's always searching for its light, right, until it dissolves and then becomes a new moon, becomes whole again. And then the process starts all over again as the moon grows and grows in its strength as it finds itself again, it finds its inner light. Mm -hmm. And the moon and Venus are very connected. And so right now I have a program called Rosa Mystica where we meet at every rose moon. We meet at every Venus moon conjunction. And it's interesting because these are sacred mysteries that I learned um, through a teacher named Annabelle Dubelay, the Venus moon conjunction. I knew about it, but she really drove the point home for me. Mm -hmm. On working with Venus, these Venus rose moons, the conjunct. So not to get too complex, but in June, Venus was reborn as a morning star. On June 3rd, she made her inferior conjunction reborn as a morning star, which means that the reason why it was so important that inferior conjunction, that rebirth of Venus was because it started a whole new eight year orbit of Venus, right? Mm -hmm. She makes a five pointed star of five petaled rose as a result of her eight year orbit. So she started a new one, a new eight year journey on June 3rd. And so I've been taking women, there are about 20 of us that we have been working now with every rose moon since she was reborn as the morning star in June. So we've been at it for six months. Oh, wow. But the interesting part yeah, we've been at it for a while. The interesting part of it is, is that um, that Venus moon conjunction has been happening with a waning moon. So it's it's a waning moon. It's it's going into the underworld like Inanna does on her journey. Inanna, the Sumerian embodiment of this, the planet Venus. Mm -hmm. And so 
Inanna goes through seven gates as a part of her journey to the underworld, right? She she has she's seeking herself. She opens up her ear to the great below to find the wisdom of her true self. And she goes into the underworld through these seven gates. And at each gate, she has to remove something mm -hmm. until she's naked and bowed low and she dissolves in the underworld. And then she makes the journey back up again. Well, that seven gated journey, seven is an ancient number of initiation. Just like every week we go through a journey of the seven days of the week, right? Mm -hmm. But in Inanna's journey, she has to she has to remove an article of status, you know, her crown, her lapis lazuli jewels, her breastplate, her, her everything she's wearing. And in this journey, then those seven gates are the seven chakras. Mm. So we've started with the first rose moon of removing the crown. And then the next rose moon, we remove what has been in the way of our sacred site at the third eye. And then the next rose moon, we remove the obstacles that have been in the way of our throat chakra of speaking our truth. And then the heart, and then the navel, and then the womb space, body, sun chakra, the base, and so on. Mm. And so we're in the underworld now. We're starting with the rose moon in Capricorn um, that happens, that goes exact on January 11th. And we're slowly then going to start making our ascent through the chakras once again, the seven gates of Inanna that is our subtle body. Wow. And so we've been doing that since June. And on January 7th, um, I'm actually going to be sharing an opportunity for people to come and join us in that group so that they can be up to speed with the meeting we're having on January 10th as we dissolve in the underworld and are reborn to come into our authentic true self, cleansed and cleared of our karma. That's so beautiful. <laughs> and now's the time. It's like, it's so, I love this kind of work too, because you're going with the energies, like the, the cosmic energy. And it's like this natural time for us to go on this journey, right? Because energetically, this is what's happening, you know, in the cosmos and within ourselves. And so it's such a beautiful time, especially at the new, the beginning of a new year, to go through this journey and really uncover what's authentic to us, like the return of our voice, like all that journey, it just sounds so amazing. So, uh, wow, how powerful is that? Thank you. It's been, I have to say that the group has been incredible. Um, just so vulnerable in the sharing of what they're releasing because we meet via Zoom and we always check in on how every month has been going. Mm -hmm. And we utilize a mantra to Venus, the planet Venus. Um, and we, of course, use the Bija sounds for each chakra. So we're tapping in on multidimensional levels, in addition to working with crystals and the pentagram, which is what Venus made when it's star in the sky through, um, through sacred geometry. So anyway, it's this multidimensional journey that has been so powerful for people to really step into the, to really see the ways they've given away their power in various aspects mm -hmm. and then and now it's this time of stepping into sovereignty and the kind of sovereignty that just means being truly stepping into our authentic truth mm. and not being swayed by somebody else's truth or what we're supposed to believe or what anyone is telling us you know is the right philosophy but really owning our own inner gnosis our inner sacred knowledge so that we can step into our best life, so that we can rock our purpose. I know, right? Because, you know, in all sincerity, because that working with Venus 
and this way has really brought me as well into a state of incredible alignment. Because when we get on this path, we really start to allow the things that aren't supporting us to fall away and become very clear on what does support us and honoring what needs to go, you know? Yeah, it's so powerful. And, you know, so many times on this show, I've talked about, you know, we get a lot of people who are spiritual entrepreneurs here or heart-led leaders or people who are, you know, in, they have a business that is either a spiritual business or they are healers or, or it's very heart inspired, meaning it's deep, their why is deeply connected to what they're doing. And I talk a lot about how the inner work is really the work for people to be doing like this kind of work is what's going to change your life (laughs) and your business. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And it's hard for people. I know this challenge. I know it's so intimately of being, of feeling stuck in a nine to five job or feeling stuck in a career that is not in alignment, but gives us a sense of security. Mm -hmm. But in truth, there is no sense of security. You know, it's really right I mean it's the inner anchor that is our security and and so when we hang our hat on external stuff we can get rocked and rolled by the chaos of the times but when we our anchor our true anchor is within and it's not just hyperbole we can make it through any storm and believe me I've been there I have given everything away I've lost everything in order to be authentic and to build, to literally build my way up from dissolving in the underworld through the gates of authenticity to come into my truth. And when I do that, and as I've been doing that and integrating and reclaiming all these aspects of myself from Marnie to Amita, Mm -hmm. all of it coming back together again in integrated wholeness, I have never been more in alignment. I mean, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, you know, it just feels like, I'm on mission. I'm doing what I'm meant to do. And there's nothing I'd rather do than support people in this way. So beautiful. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, I mean, Amita is just known as a spiritual teacher that, um, you know, really uh, helps people do this deep connection, right? Do this deep um, alignment with within themselves, you know, no matter what you're doing out in the world or um, if you're, you know, householder, as we like to say, or not, um, and it's just so powerful. I think one of the powerful things about you and your story too, and your journey too, is that you've lived it so completely. Um, it's so embodied and and um, integrated into who you are that the work you do has just such deep power. I think um, for people and. Um, I can't wait to, to hear about, you know, everyone who's hopping into this experience with you, how it goes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's just been a beautiful journey of reclamation. And that's really what it is. It's about release and reclamation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about finding our truth and standing in that authenticity. You know, that is the path of the priestess. The path of the priestess is one of authenticity and of service. First and foremost to ourself and our journey and I get people from all areas of life and many of them, the majority of them are in transition, mm. transition from one state of being more nine to five, 3d frequency, if you will, to 
their true purpose, not to put anyone down who's in a nine to five job because that has its merits as well, that high frequency, you know, of being in that um, structure, mm-hmm. environment. But many people really, really want to be more uh, freedom-based. Mm-hmm. And to find that freedom, we have to take the deep dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to go in to like, to go out and serve and really um, live that truth, you know. The truth is you have to be willing to die. You know, there's a part of yourself that has to be willing to die. I mean, it's just like when you fall in love with someone, you go into relationship with another person, there's a part of them that has to die. There's a part of you that has to die mm-hmm. in order to come into union. And that's the same with coming into union with your true self is allowing that past to, to, to be sloughed off like a serpent shedding its skin to come into true wisdom and the sacred knowledge that is our inner gnosis. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That's something we talk a lot about. And, you know, when I was going through pregnancy, I definitely felt that that journey that you just mentioned, like there's a part when you're when you're going to have a baby there, you have to let the old, your old vision of your life die. (laughs) Like, it's um, who you were before and who you're going to be after are going to be totally different people no matter if you've already had a child or not, it's just, you go through that, that nine months of gestation is like, you're actually gestating a new self as well as say a child. Right. And um, Mm. it's so true. It's the same thing. I think this, this, you're like a spiritual midwife, Amita. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what you're doing. You're midwifing us through into our authentic self. I, you know, thank you for that. I definitely feel uh, like I'm part of a transition team, you know, (laughs) of this midwife thing into this new age that we are coming into one that really is about this authenticity. And also one of alchemy, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is this alchemical um, transmutation that happens when you're on the path, you know, you have to go through the holy shit, if you will, right, the negrito phase, in order to get to the sunrise and to that spiritual goal that is our truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And allowing ourselves to, to, yeah, let go and release of what we thought we wanted so that we can claim what's been waiting for us all along. There's a little bit of that, that trust. We got to trust ourselves enough or trust the path or, or that inner anchor enough, so to speak, to let just to let go of that to like release the grip and allow ourselves to to turn into that next thing right i couldn't agree more that's absolutely it it's that inner trust that inner that intuition a lot of what i do in my priestess trainings and and priestess immersions is about um, our exercises and trust of our intuition and speak wisdom because we're all psychic we're all highly intuitive it's just you know uncovering it Mm. and so trusting where led even though we don't know why that's the biggest thing you know too that came up for me really on my journey so far is for example when I moved to the ashram yes I knew I wanted to dive deeper into a spiritual practice to come to a greater sense of my own highest wisdom I guess but you know in truth I had no idea what was going to unfold where it was going to go Um, One thing that came out of that journey as well, just real brief, is is chanting. I never sang before. And, you know, I've been very blessed since I left the ashram to be a support 
uh, response there for many, many amazing Kirtan artists at festivals and events and so on. And that was something that was, was an act of faith and trust to share, to literally share my singing voice in front of a crowd. It was terrifying for the first time, but it was an inner directive that I knew I needed to, to follow. And then it just completely um, soared. To kind of like yeah. himself. You, like you literally <laughs> found your voice. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll make sure, of course, any links we talk about will be in the show notes and everything. But um, she is known for her voice as well. I mean, so many things you're known for. But um, yeah, you literally found you like found your voice. <laughs> it's not a metaphor. Yeah, I found my voice. <laughs> and it was funny too because the first time I ever really chanted sang Kirtan Khan response in uh, in front of a group of people was at a, a celebration called Maha Shiva Ratri, which is the great celebration of Shiva who is the transformer. Mm. And he just transformed the heck out of me that night. Um, that was recorded actually and put on a CD, um, a CD that's been produced by Mount Madonna Center two volumes set on Mahashivaratri, a lot of different beautiful voices chanting to Shiva. Wow, yeah. Powerful work and such beautiful work that you offer the world. So tell me how people can find you and find Rosa Mystica. Something about Amita stuff, just to, just to say like the work you put out in the world, I want to like live in it. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. I just want to like live in it so okay so so tell us a little bit about how you how we can find you and um learn more about rosa mystica thank you emily um my website amitastark.com amitastark.com has all the information on rosa mystica and i'll be doing a class a special catch-up class that you can just take off take as a one off like you can just dip in your toe for one two-hour immersion which is happening um, this week, which is Thursday, January 7th from 4 to 6 p.m. That's Pacific Standard Time via Zoom. But all that information is on my website, amitastark.com. And you can find me on Facebook, amitastark, as well as Instagram. Great. Yeah. And we'll make sure that we have everything linked below for you guys. So you can just tap through and... Um, Thank you so much for, for being here on the show. Such an honor to have you and to connect again. And I can't wait to uh, lead a retreat with you again. <laughs> I would love that. It. It's such a joy and pleasure to see you, Emily. Always. I'm always get excited when I see what you're doing out in the world. So thank you also for the ways in which you support others so that they can find their purpose. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here and we'll talk to you soon. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Rock Your Purpose podcast. And of course, all the links to connecting with Amita are in the show notes for you. And I can't wait to go on a pilgrimage with her and to to steep in her energy and her wisdom. And there's really a transmission that happens with Amita. So if you get a chance to work with her, please do. And share with us, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode. What was your biggest download that you got from this episode today? You can tag me on Instagram at emilyperry.co. 
And you can tag Amita at Amita Stark. And I'll make sure that all that again is linked for you in the show notes. But we would love to hear what your biggest takeaway was. What was your aha moment? What was that moment of inspiration that you had from this episode? And until next time, you guys, take care, be well, keep rocking your purpose, and I'll talk to you soon.